a revolutionary baby monitor is born. I want to introduce you to a brand new baby monitor, Massimo Stork. Massimo Stork Baby Monitor tracks health indicators so you can get to know your baby better. Track your baby's pulse rate, oxygen saturation, and skin temperature with the high-resolution video and clear two-way audio from the Stork app. While Massimo Stork Baby Monitor is new, Massimo Signal Extraction Technology, or SET to be exact, has been trusted in hospitals for over 25 years. In fact, 9 out of 10 top U.S. hospitals, as ranked in the 2022-2023 U.S. News & World Report, uses Massimo SET as their primary pulse oximetry technology. Now, this technology is available for families at home, empowering confident parenting. Go to Massimo Stork to learn more. Please remember, Mosmo Stork is not meant to be used as a medical device. Hi, everyone. I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Welcome to Yoga Birth Babies, a podcast produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. We will be diving into everything prenatal yoga, birth, and baby-related, hoping to inspire, educate, and empower you through your journey into motherhood. Thank you for listening. Hi, I'm Deb Flaschenberg. I'm your host for Yoga Birth Babies, and today we're going to talk about surrogacy. I'm going to be honest, I knew very little about this, and one of our teacher trainees from the recent teacher training in Charlotte told me she was a surrogate three times, and I thought, wow, I know so little about this. I think it is an incredible gift to carry for a family that may not be able to on their own. So I wanted to dive in and learn more and share more. I have to say, before I talked to Anastasia, I had no idea how in-depth the process was and the relationship that's built between the surrogate and the intended parents. So it was a really great conversation. Let me tell you a little bit about our guest speaker. Anastasia Bartlett is a certified health coach, personal trainer, trainer and yoga teacher and recently completed her prenatal yoga teacher training. And she's the owner of Superior Surrogacy Consulting. And as I mentioned, she has been a surrogate carrier three times. It's a great conversation. I hope you enjoy it. I also wanted to share one of our students emailed in and just shared a little bit about her experience. And this is really why I do this. It's just, I love knowing that what we do at PYC affects people's lives. So Natalia wrote, as a foreigner living in, in New York City and going through my first pregnancy away from family and friends, I cannot imagine my life without PYC. They were everything I needed, the weekly yoga for my mind and body, the support from a group of women that were that where there was no such thing as oversharing and the best resource for knowledge and preparation for labor and new life as a mom. Thank you, Natalia, for telling me this and sharing this and allowing me to share it with others. And I am so grateful that we're there to help support you because it's a huge transition and you didn't have your village and we created a new village for you. So thank you. Also, just a reminder, New York City teacher training has two spots left. So if you want to learn about prenatal yoga and really dive into it, grab those spots. We will also be in Richmond, Virginia. There's, I think, six spots left there. So grab those. And then we're going to take a little break until the fall. And those yoga teachers that may not want to take the whole path to prenatal yoga teacher training, but maybe freak out when the pregnant person arrives on the mat, don't forget to check out Who's Afraid of the Pregnant Yogi. It's an online course. You take it on your own time and it can lead to some confidence of how to support your pregnant students. And for our pregnant students, 
Don't forget we have online, it's a four prenatal class package where it's four different one hour classes. You can check that out from our website as well. So do yoga everywhere, anytime. Okay. I think I've talked enough. Let's take a super quick break and when we come back. Please enjoy my conversation with Anastasia. A revolutionary baby monitor is born. I want to introduce you to a brand new baby monitor, Massimo Stork. Massimo Stork Baby Monitor tracks health indicators so you can get to know your baby better. Track your baby's pulse rate, oxygen saturation, and skin temperature with the high-resolution video and clear two-way audio from the Stork app. While Massimo Stork Baby Monitor is new, Massimo Signal Extraction Technology, or SET to be exact, has been trusted in hospitals for over 25 years. In fact, 9 out of 10 top U.S. hospitals, as ranked in the 2022-2023 U.S. News & World Report, uses Massimo SET as their primary pulse oximetry technology. Now, this technology is available for families at home, empowering confident parenting. Go to Massimo Stork to learn more. Please remember, Mosmo Stork is not meant to be used as a medical device. Hi, Anastasia. How are you? I am well, Deb. How are you? I am doing so well. I am so excited to speak with you. I am, to be honest, I've never really put much, I guess, thought, I hate to say that, into surrogacy. It's just not in my world, especially sure. being in New York. And I guess we should do a little background, full disclosure. So hello, community. Um, Anastasia <laughs> just finished our teacher training, and she revealed that she's done surrogacy twice, right? Three times. Three times. Oh, my gosh. Mm -hmm. That's your superpower. So um, <laughs> when I heard that, I'm like, oh, this is something... I want to learn more about. I just, it's not in my world. So thank you for being so open about your experience. Absolutely. So I guess yeah. let's get started with a little bit about you. Okay. Um, well, I am a mother of two myself. So I have two boys um, who are now, God, my, my first baby just turned 20. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> yeah. Last Sunday, a week from Sunday. So yeah, it's, that's wow. Um, and definitely moving into our different, different part of life. I've got two, so 20 year old and 18 year old, um, going to college, you know, starting to, uh, embark on their own voyages and journeys in life. Um, I live in Asheville, North Carolina. We've been here about 15 years. Um, and before that, grew up in Connecticut and then Atlanta, the Atlanta area, when Atlanta was like one of the fastest growing areas in, in the country, um, had my first, my first was born in Atlanta and was like, you know, I don't really want to raise kids in this environment. Um, and we had been visiting Asheville off and on for many years and just felt like it was a great place to to set down some roots and raise a family. And, um, so we've, we've been here ever since. So my kids have pretty much grown up here, um, which I love. They have friends that they've been friends with since kindergarten, which is exactly what I wanted to, to be able to create for them. So it was amazing being here. Um, but Asheville is a really fun, funny place. It's, a, a an economy built around hospitality and, um, the hospital essentially. So if you're, in, huh. if you're a nurse or a doctor, or if you uh, are a bartender, you <laughs> can <laughs> to serve the nurses. Yeah, right. Um, so Asheville, because of that, it really creates this space for people to reinvent themselves and on a continuous basis. I mean, personally, emotionally, professionally. Um, so, you know, you kind of get to a point where you're tired of working in the service industry and, um, nursing was definitely not ever something that I could see myself doing. Um, it's an amazing job and, but not something I could do. Um, 
So kind of was able to reinvent myself on a couple different occasions. That's where surrogacy came into my life. Um, and that's how I became a, I'm a certified personal trainer, health coach, and yoga teacher. Um, and because I've been pregnant, you know, five times, um, I know really well that struggle of just, I mean, I, it is a superpower that I will say I've been lucky that I have really very relaxed, easy pregnancies. I, I like being, obviously, I mean, I did it. I chose to be pregnant, um, five times. So, um, but I, I like it. It, it, it feels good in my body. Um, I do it well. It doesn't really restrict me from doing much in my life. Um, you know, first trimester is a bear, but you get through that and it's pretty smooth sailing for me. Um, but I do understand the struggle, especially the postpartum piece. Um, and just fitness, you know, and Deb taking your training, I have to say has really helped me. I mean, your training was sort of a bookend to my own ex- years of experience of doing a lot of kind of stupid things to my body, especially when I was pregnant, you know, just trying to be more mindful of how much weight I was gaining and, you know, thinking about the postpartum piece of trying to lose the weight and then, you know, being a little too fixated on that. Um, and then doing some things during my pregnancy, not dangerous, but just maybe that didn't serve my body in the best way. Um, you know, I, I will admit I was one of those crazy people doing CrossFit while I was pregnant because I could do it. You know, I, I had been doing it before. And so I, the rule of thumb, right, is, well, if you're doing it before, you can keep doing it. Um, and I've really come to rethink that that philosophy. And I love the way that you brought that into our training. It's like, you know, being pregnant is this really special time and it's such a different time in your life. And it's a time that should be honored and 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 accepted that it's okay to slow down and it's okay to do things a little differently. And, and really, and I love what you said, you know, what's the end goal of a pregnancy? Well, the end goal is to, to birth a baby. And what are we doing in that, in those truly 10 months, um, that's helping to support that, that end product or that end goal. Um, and so I've really kind of started as I've gone through this, my own journey of becoming a health coach and a personal trainer and a yoga teacher of shifting my focus and becoming more and more focused on women's health and really supporting women through pregnancy. Because I understand that for a lot of women, it's not a really fun time in their life and they don't really enjoy it. And it's really hard on their body and emotionally and physically and spiritually. I mean, it's just a lot, a lot going on. Um, and then the postpartum piece to truly, you know, give women permission to take their time when they're they're rehabbing. I mean, we really truly have to start looking at it like that. Like we're mm-hmm. rehabbing our bodies after that. It's a lot on our fit body physically um, and emotionally, but you know, just the physical piece alone of of trying to give that some time. So these like sort of basically two years of your life. You know, you're being you're pregnant and then you're you're recovering after. But it's okay to to really slow things down and to ask yourself why why am I doing this why am I why am I doing CrossFit why am I why am I doing these things to myself when I'm pregnant um, and because there's all these other factors right that I don't know that the medical world is very good at explaining to women um, mm-hmm. and only because they don't have the time you know don't have the time but um, sort of getting away from this idea of like well if you were doing it before just keep doing it. And, and instead stepping back and saying, well, why, why am I doing this? And is it really serving me? Um, so yeah, so long story short, here I am at a place where I really feel like, uh, my focus has turned towards more women's, uh, women's health and, and specifically around the prenatal postpartum, um, part for, uh, for women, um, in their journey. And also weaving in the surrogacy piece. So, as I've gone through this three different times, which 
by the way, I only intended on being a surrogate once. <laughs> yeah, let's go into that. So I guess I'm that that's awesome. So I, I remember you saying that that you were a surrogate, and I love that we're talking calling it your superpower. And I've only, I've been I've had uh, four pregnancies, only two babies, and because I had two miscarriages, and I I. I wish I could say I loved it. I thought I loved, I loved the first one. And mm. my husband actually's like, no, you really, you didn't. And I'm like, I think I did. And my second one, I had a toddler. So that just made it yes, more so challenging. Mm-hmm. So, and I love my kids and I loved, there was part of me that really embraced pregnancy, but mm-hmm. it's full of aches and pains for yes. most, for most people, not everyone. Right. Um, and you know, I did find the births challenging and I'll even put that oh, out yeah. there. Like, cause this is what I do. And, and I've had people be like, really? I'm like, yeah, they were really hard so oh, for, yeah. for me, for me again, different people have a different experience. So I look at the fact that you voluntarily did this three other times and I'm, I'm kind of amazed. I think it's incredible. I mean, how incredibly selfless are you to, to do that? I mean, to, mm-hmm. it's your body. It's like, it's mm-hmm. your home in a sense. So mm-hmm. I guess what drew you to becoming a surrogate parent? And then once you did it, what had you, you said you only intended to do it once, but then mm-hmm. two more times. So talk me a little bit through how you even came to that decision. And then I guess there's so many questions I have um, about this, but then how, why you took the steps to do it again. And then that's going to leapfrog me into many other questions. <laughs> yeah. So, um, kind of going back to the whole Asheville being this sort of funny place for jobs and trying to make it. And, um, and, you know, as women, we tend to, with friends and especially when our kids are younger, we're a little closer to that birth experience. Cause let me just say too, even though I've chosen to do this, you know, three other times in addition to my own two and, um, and uh, you know, it's a, it is a superpower in a lot of ways. Um, it is still challenging. I mean, birth is, I mean, there's nothing, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. It will change you forever. And I mean, the challenge and the, 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 the pain, I mean, let's like, like you said, let's just be real. I mean, it's, it's painful and it's, it takes you to deep primal places and you find energy and strength and courage that you didn't even know you had until you're in that moment. Um, so there's something just, just transformational and amazing about that. Um, so I will say it is, it was still challenging, but my, I'm lucky in the sense that my births are quicker. They're not, um, I don't have like the 32 hour labors and, um, and my labors tend to be pretty, um, that's a good word for it. I don't ever want to play it down, but pretty chill until transition. And then it gets, then it gets real, but then it's short. It doesn't usually, that's, you know, I move from transition into active into delivery very quickly. Um, so that's, I think, where I get lucky in that sense. But um, Asheville being this funny place, you know, you talk about your birth story with women, and I was always like, well, you know, it just was pretty easy. I, you know, I enjoy being pregnant. And of course, when you say that in a group of women, you tend to get these looks like, are you insane? How, what did you enjoy about it? You know? <laughs> um, and then, you know, like, well, my labors were like pretty short. They only lasted so long. And my first, actually, my first child was almost born in the car because I didn't even you know, being, I was 22, I was young and just didn't really know my body very well. And I, and I didn't realize, you know, all these stories, like we, you know, we talked about in training, these, the, the media and the, and the movies, like always showed this woman, like, you know, hysterical and her water breaks and everybody's running around and like, you just, you know, you're in labor. And I didn't have that. My water doesn't break until, um, we're in labor. And, and I didn't even realize that this little bit of discomfort that I was feeling was actually early labor 
pains and, um, so just didn't really realize until it was game on. And then we tried to, we chose to give birth at a hospital in the Atlanta area that was about an hour from where we lived. And everybody's like, Oh, it's your first, it's going to take forever. You'll be fine. You'll have plenty of time to get the hospital. Well, we didn't because I didn't realize what was happening anyway. So my first was almost born in the car. Literally we pulled up to the hospital at six 15 in the morning and he was born at six 30 in the morning. So, wow. um, yeah. so, you know, there's that. And when you start telling that story enough times and you start hearing like, Oh my God, you're so lucky. Wow. I can't believe that my labor was, you know, 30 something hours and it was horrible. And it's, you know, but so you just have to realize like it, it is a little bit of a superpower that you really have been blessed with this ability to have this, um, this different experience that a lot of women have. And so I would always kind of joke about it. Like, Oh, you know, I'm that person that could literally have 12 kids, you know, pop one out in the field and keep working, you know, <laughs> kind of just joking around, you know, and, and like, Oh, I should be a surrogate. Cause I could just do this. And it was always just kind of like, you know, off the cuff, never really thought about it. And fast forward into years later, my, my kids are probably about 10 and eight at this point. And I really was unhappy with the job I was in and kind of feeling stuck. And so I was sort of on Craigslist every day looking for different opportunities and jobs. And this woman's ad popped up. Um, she was running a small agency outside of Raleigh, North Carolina, which is about about four hours from Asheville. Um, and her ad, she was looking for carriers. She was looking for gestational carriers. And so it was like this weird kind of moment of like, oh, well, here's this thing that I've always kind of just sort of haphazardly thrown out there without ever really thinking that it was something I could do. And then here was this ad asking for women who might be interested in caring for, for other people who, um, need that assistance to be able to start their family. And, um, you know, it's Craigslist. So of course I was like, well, this could be really shady. And, um, so she had a, we- she had a link to her website. So I thought, what the heck, I'll just click on it and just kind of see what this is all about. And she was herself a surrogate. She'd carried three different times. Um, she, you know, again, loved the experience was, profound in her life. And so after her, her third was like, you know, I can't just keep doing this for people. I need to find another way to help people out in this, in this area. So she started her own agency and now she was, you know, here she was a couple of years into it, looking for carriers and helping to match IPs intended parents with these carriers. And so she had this little preliminary application. It was like, you know, if you, if you have any interest or you're curious about want more information, fill out the, this application. And the application was pretty, pretty cut and dry, pretty, uh, short. It was questions like, why are you interested in surrogacy? Um, how many children of your own do you have? What are your births like? What are your, uh, feelings around things like selective reduction? Um, so it was very, you know, very basic. And I filled out all the questions, um, you know, and my answers to a lot of those questions, like, you know, how do you feel about selective reduction were kind of a stock answer of, well, you know, regardless of what my personal feelings are, if I was caring for somebody else, I understand this is their child, their future, their responsibility. And I would be open to what, you know, what we need to be open to, to, to have a healthy baby, healthy pregnancy. So, you know, it's kind of basically my answer to a lot of those, those questions, um, submitted the application and she responded to me within 24 hours. It was just like, you know, you sound like the perfect candidate. If you're really, really interested in this, um, let me send you my more in-depth application, which ended up being like a 20 page application, (laughs) um, because it covered everything, covered medical history, um, got much more in depth with what my, um, my births, my labors and my, uh, pregnancies were, were like, um, I got much more in depth with, you know, religious questions and, you know, my stances on, on abortion and different things like that. So, um, at that point I thought, you know, I probably should talk to 
my then husband, we are, we're now divorced, but you know, I was like, I probably should talk to him about this before I go any further. Um, <laughs> cause he will have, um, he will be affected by this choice, obviously. Um, and so he and I sat down and talked about this, you know, I, you know, I said, look, this is something I've always talked about doing and kind of throwing it out there and here it is you know, and I really feel called to do this. And, and he had a really hard time. So I think what a lot of people have a hard time with too, with, with surrogacy, um, is that this baby, they, they don't, there's no genetic material of mine in mm-hmm. these children. I'm literally only the carrier. Um, now they used to do that. So it's called more, tra- that's what we call traditional surrogacy, where they did actually use the eggs of the carrier. That is not practice anymore. I mean, very, very rarely, but most fertility clinics will not go down that road because those are the stories we all heard, right? Oh, I've heard that story of that surrogate who didn't want to give up the baby. And a lot of those cases, those were what was happening was her eggs. So it's, it's essentially her baby mm-hmm. that she's carrying and then having to give up. So that's a re- very different situation than genetically belongs to somebody else 100% and I'm just truly the oven, you know, just sort of baking this bun for somebody else. Um, but it took my ex-husband a long time to wrap his head around that. He kind of kept coming back to, well, I just can't imagine like this is person out there walking around that, you know, got part of you and that's and like, no, 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 no. Okay. Again, let's go back to the beginning. And this, you know, so once he finally like really got it, like there's not any genetic material of mine, I'm really truly just helping other people create a family. Um, he got, he was so into it. He was like, you know what, you could do this and we could totally do this for somebody. And this would be amazing. And so it was great. He was on board and I was like, all right, well, let's move forward. And it was quite a lengthy process. Um, because you have to hunt down all your medical records, right? So because I'd had, um, one of my children was born in Atlanta, I had to find this OB that I didn't even know where she was anymore. And you know, these records and come to find out after 10 years, um, hospitals, doctor's offices, they destroy records. They only have to keep them up to 10 years. Um, so after lots of hunting and searching, I was actually not able to get medical records from my first birth. Um, but I was able to track down my second. So we got all that, but you had to do, I mean, I had to have a recent pap smear and it was one of those things of like, Oh gosh, you know what? I don't think I've had one in a year or two. So had to get that done and like sending all these things to her. And so it was a quite a, it was quite a process. It was a lot of gathering of information. Um, um, but then, you know, the wheels start, started rolling and we, here we were going down this road, um, and started getting really, really excited about it. Um, it started becoming more real, but it does take months. And I think that's the other piece of this that people don't realize or maybe truly understand is just because I chose to become a carrier. It was another, it was almost a full year later before I was actually pregnant. Um, just from everything, the process of gathering the information, filling out the applications, doing all the things I need to do on my end. Um, then the agency, you know, going through my information, doing background checks. Um, cause that's another thing that agencies will do. They'll do background checks. Um, they'll do, um, credit checks you know, just to make sure, cause there's money involved here. There is money that changes hands. Um, it's, compensation. It's not payment as far as, you know, you're not, you're not hired by the, the IPs. Um, but it is compensation for your, your time, your discomfort, your, uh, inconveniences, all those things. So do they cover um, your medical bills? They do. Yep. So as a carrier, I mean, again, you're, you're giving this, the service to people. So you, um, you're not responsible for these things. So, um, they cover my medical expenses. Um, there's, like I said, the base compensation. Um, so that's where the credit check comes in. Cause you know, you want to make sure that people aren't just doing this for the money. Um, and right. that, that exists out there and there's, you know, and, and we're all in different situations, but we want to make sure and money, listen, to be compensated for that, it, it, 
it, you deserve it. I mean, we deserve being compensated for what we're doing. Um, but that should not be your only, only motivation, right. To be a carrier that that can be part of it, but there needs to be a lot more going on than that. So just making sure you don't have like a huge lien on your house or you're in massive credit card debt, you know, cause then it makes you think, well, Hmm. Why are they doing this? Why are you really doing this? Right. Exactly. So there's, I mean, there is such a process to this now, especially now, because again, like anything else, as this becomes more of a need and you start to, you start to see it happening more often, you start to realize, oh, wow, there's a lot going on here. We need to protect the IPs. We need to protect the carriers. We need to protect the fertility clinics. Like, you know, there's all of this. I mean, it's to a point where I'm still learning how all of this works and still in every state, that's the other thing too. Every state is different, which is. Well, that was something that came up in our training too, is that I know Mm -hmm. in New York state, it's not legal in other states. It is. So that's something Mm -hmm. I guess if people are listening, either wanting to have a surrogate parent care of their, their child or wanting to be a surrogate, they have to make sure it's even legal. Right. Yes. Yep. And that's where things, that's where like agencies come in handy. Um, and there's a lot of agencies out there. So I have my own agency. I really consider, you know, be considered a boutique agency. I'm just very small. And my, and my goal is not to like make this, this is not my career. Um, this is not my moneymaker. This is just something I wanted to do. Cause I kind of got to the same point where I've had, I carried three different times. Um, I was done being pregnant for other people at that point. And I was turning 40 after my last one. And the cutoff age is generally, uh, 39, 38, 39 for carriers. Now there are again, exceptions to every rule. And this is definitely one of those exceptions, uh, one of those rules, but I knew I was aging out of that process and I really didn't want to go down that road again. Um, but I did want to help people because what I kept running into as I was going through this is the shortage of carriers that are out there. Um, a lot of IPs wait a really long time to finally get a carrier, um, especially if they don't have. So, you know, what they'll first ask, um, whether it's a single person or couples going into this, you know, do you have a friend, do you have family members or somebody in your world already that might be interested in doing this for you? Because this would really speed up the process for you. Otherwise you have to go through agencies or you go on these Facebook pages or you're you know, constantly looking, looking, looking. Um, and you might look for six months, a year, two years. Um, yeah. I didn't even realize there were agencies. Right, we're going to take a super yeah. quick break. And when we come back, I want to ask how you chose who to carry for, or did they choose you? All right. We're take a super quick break. When we come back. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. 
Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Okay, we're back. So, yeah. So, I guess, to be honest, I, I'm so ignorant to this. I think, like, yeah. I, as you were talking about this, I was thinking of that movie. Um, what was it? The one with Tina Fey and Amy? Oh, yeah. Baby, Baby Mama. Mama. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Again, so here I am kind of laughing in prenatal teacher training. I'm like, it's not like the movies. And yet, what am I referring to about this? The movies. So right. how do you ch- – do you choose? Do they choose? Do you have to come – together to make sure it's a good fit because yeah I, I guess I'm thinking if you're the carrier and maybe you don't really vibe with the the intended parents it's a lot of close communication I would think oh, yes. and and a lot of responsibility on you and you know maybe there's some anxiety are they checking in on you like how does that how does that relationship work yeah so there's a lot of ways that can go down and and um and definitely feel free to write me in depth. The information is just like can go in 800 different directions. And, and as you can tell, it's something I'm very passionate about. So I can get really going down a tangent, but it can happen lots of different ways. So my initial, my initial, uh, um, experience with this was through an agency. So I went through this agency and her job is, like I said, to weed through and look through all my medical records and kind of basically get me, you know, a preliminary, like, okay, you look healthy, your medical records look good, your background check came back, you know, we're, we're good. So now let's put you in our bank of carriers and I'm going to look through my bank of IPs because, again – these, a lot of these IPs wait a long time. So they've been sitting with an agency waiting and they maybe even thought that they found a carrier and went a few, you know, a few steps into it and then realized they didn't really jive with her. She didn't really drive with them. Something, you know, happens. Um, there's also a, a sort of fickleness to the world of carriers because it's such a long process. And, you know, maybe in April, you're like, you're, you're on board, your hubby's on board, your partner's on board and you're ready to do this and you, you're starting the process and you get the, all everything in and the background checks and then you're kind of waiting and then life throws you a curveball, right? You break up with your partner, your partner loses their job. Um, you know, you suddenly have to move. I mean, there could be all kinds of things that pop up in this waiting period. Um, so I actually, my first, my first couple that I carried for, they had been matched with the carrier already through this agency. And then the carrier had to back out. Um, and they'd already kind of started the process. They had met with her. They loved her. She loved them. There was like, it wasn't that it was her husband lost his job. And then now they were like, not sure where they're going to end up and if they were going to have to move. And it was just, she's like, I can't, I can't do this right now. I'm really sorry. So they had to go back to the drawing board, um, and start the process all over again. Um, and then, so here I came and the woman who ran the agency thought we would be a good fit for each other, a good match. And that's part of, again, that's part of the agency's job is to, say, well, you know, her temperament and cause they, you know, before you even get to that point where you're going to talk to the IPs for the first time, you've talked with the agency, you've gone through some, you know, preliminary interviews with them. They kind of have a sense of who you are, especially that long interview or that long application you fill out all of those things. So, and they know their IPs, they've met with them, they've talked with them. And so they can kind of say, well, based on, you know, IPA over here and this carrier, like we think they might be a good match. Let's bring them together. 
Um, and so initially we did a phone call. And she, um, the, the agency, the woman who ran it, again, she was a small agency, pretty much a one-woman show. She had a, a nurse on staff that looked over medical records, and I think she had, like, one other person that worked with her, but she was pretty much it, um, which was nice because she was our point person the whole time through, which was really nice. Um, but she facilitated this phone call between us. So still no, you know, still nothing, that, there's no obligation. We were just chatting, and that's exactly what it was. It was just this chat with, with these, this couple. It was a married couple. Um uh, heterosexual couple. And we just chatted and, um, the woman who ran the agency, she sort of facilitated the questions, right? She kind of got us started asking things like, well, Anastasia, why don't you tell, we'll just say, we'll just call them M and T for now. Cause I don't want to obviously mm-hmm. give out names. Um, you know, why do you tell them about growing up in Connecticut and turn come to find out dad had also grown up in Connecticut and mom had grown up in New York and Long Island. And so we had this sort of connection of like, you know, being from the Northeast and um, they were in Greensboro, North Carolina, which is outside of Raleigh, which is about three hours from Asheville. So we were in the same state, but not super close, which was actually kind of nice. We talked about that and mom was very open about it. And she's like, you know, I really actually kind of like the idea that we won't run into each other at the grocery store. But if I want to get down to one of the appointments, I can get, do that. You know, we can get to the hospital, you know, we can even come into town a couple days early and just hang out. We love Asheville, you know, that kind of thing. So we just, I think it was almost like two, two and a half hours that we chatted that first time. Um, and then it was like, okay, well we, you know, let's wrap it up. And, um, um, the woman that ran the agency, she's like, I'll reach out to both of you separately and we'll kind of regroup and we'll go from here. And it was kind of like, okay, great. And I remember getting off the phone and my, my ex-husband was there and he was just like, wow, you guys just talked like forever. I'm like, I know. And it was amazing. I really liked them. And so there was just this instant, it really kind of was like, I don't know, like a, like a date, you know, Mm -hmm. kind of just feeling each other out. And, um, the owner of the agency called me back first. She called me just like five, 10 minutes later, just to get my initial, like, how are you feeling about everything? And, um, which I told her how excited I was, which I love them. And then she did the intern called them and like, what do you think? How do you feel? And they were like, Oh my gosh, we love her. Let's, you know, can we take it the next step? So, so the like, next step would be IVF. No, the next step oh. is actually, so that's what I'm saying. This process is timely. So then the next step was all of us meeting together in one space. Um, and I remember this was right around the holidays and they, she wanted, you know, she wanted my husband to come, my two boys to come, the couple to come. She was going to be there. Like we we're all going to find this mutual place to meet. Um, and since they were coming from Greensboro, we are coming from Asheville. Like this is sort of like, okay, where do we meet? Well, we decided to meet in Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, and we literally met at this rock bottoms. It's like a local brewery um, met for, for lunch, basically all the, those, Let's see, there was four of us, two, there was seven of us all together. Um, and we just had lunch and we hung out and they met my husband and they met my kids and we talked very openly about things. And then we honestly only talked about the tr- like the process of caring and what that would look like. Very little. It was really very, again, very social, just getting to know each other. Um, and then kind of at the end of the lunch was how do we all feel about this? Do we want to move forward? And it was just sort of a unanimous, yes, let's, let's do this. Let's, let's have a baby. You know. <laughs> um, and so then there's the next step, right? So, okay, we've agreed. We've come to an agreement that we're going to work together. Um, they trust me. I trust them. We really like each other and we're moving forward. And, you know, again, I could, we could literally talk for hours about this. So you've agreed, and then yep. I'm guessing there's a ton of legal documents, yep. and because, yeah, <laughs> it's a huge deal. And then 
then you're moving forward. So what does yeah. that look like? So that's really interesting. So you brought up the contracts. The con- there is There are contracts involved, but they come along later. So this is really interesting. Um, the fertility clinic. So we worked with Carolina Conceptions out of Raleigh. Uh, amazing, amazing organization. Great docs over there. Uh, great staff. Um, and they have their, every, every clinic has their own protocol as far as like what, how they, the steps they want to follow. So with Carolina Conceptions, before we even got to the legal document part, we also had to go through, um, psych evaluations. So, and that's, that's pretty much across the board, every state that's just part of this process. Now, when you do it and how you do it exactly, it can vary a little bit from clinic to clinic and state to state, but, um, again, I'm talking from North Carolina in my own experience. So we, I had to have my own separate eval. The the IPs had to have their own separate uh, eval done. Same same because um, because we lived in the same area, we used the same psychologist. Because actually, too, that's the other thing is there's very few um, psychologists actually that, that this is their focus, right? The family planning and and care surrogacy and all you know all of this stuff. So. Um, there's a limited amount of people who actually do this. So it was one of those things I had drove to Raleigh a couple of times. So it was a lot of, you know, driving, which I was compensated for my time and gas and things like that too, in that process, which, um, a carrier would be, um, if you had to take off of work or gas money or whatever those things are, um, you, you're, you're, uh, covered for that. So went through the evals, passed with flying colors. I'm a very normal person, which was good news. <laughs> Um, the IPs and it's just kind of like just checking your mental state. And they also are making sure that you don't have ulterior motives. Like they're kind of checking too, to see why are you really doing this? Where, where is your motivation coming from to be a carrier? Um, and then what they're also, uh, ferreting out to some degree is, are we really a good match? So are the IPs and this carrier, are they a good match? Because sometimes, you know, you want something so badly, that you're, you're not really looking at the signs or you're just like, yeah, sure. This is, she's a great person. Yeah. We'll, we'll just use her. Cause you've already been waiting a year or two years. And so, you know, that can get kind of the judgment can get a little cloudy. So we have these third parties that say, Oh no, this is, they communicate really well. So do you think our relationship should have that? <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. Um, and so then you come together. So you have your individual evaluations where you do the whole, like the, the, the test that they made us take. That's like a 300, question test and, you know, make sure that you're sane and, uh, of, of, uh, sound mental, uh, capacity, but then they could bring us all together. So then it was my ex-husband and I and the IPs in a room with the, um, psychologist. And then they basically like mediate just the conversation between us, ask us some of the hard questions of like, well, what if, you know, a situation arises and, a, B, and C happens, how will you guys handle that? And then they basically watch the way we talk with each other, the way we sort of work through some of these issues, what our opinions are on some of these harder issues, like say selective reduction, or, you know, if we don't get pregnant the first time, how many times have we dis- have we discussed how many times we want to try? That's another thing too, right? There's all of these details that have to be discussed and worked out mm-hmm. and then put into a contract. Um, because, you know, with IVF, it doesn't always work. It doesn't always work the, the first time. Um, so how many many times have we decided we're going to do this? So we can try one time, two times, three times, or, you know, like what is our, what do we agreed upon? And so they start asking you those questions and see what you've figured out, what you've talked about, how we figure it out, how we talk about it. And then basically kind of give their stamp of approval and say, okay, this is a good match. They, they communicate well. They've, they've really, you know, thought out this process. They've, they've come up with some solutions, some of these tough questions. 
let's move forward. And then once, once we get to that point, then there's all, I mean, there's so many little steps along the way. Um, I have to go through a saline ultrasound cause I want to make sure that I don't have any, um, ovarian cysts or tumors. I just want to, you know, kind of get a, a picture of what, what my uterus looks like and what mm-hmm. my ovaries are looking like. Right. Um, and then along that time in that, in that sort of window, once we've made it through the psyche valves and now we're making our taking steps forward. So we're doing the saline ultrasounds. I'm doing my infectious disease blood work. Um, you know, cause that's the thing you have to go through, um, in that process, right. We're also now starting to work on contracts and now lawyers get involved. So the IPs have a lawyer and then I have a separate lawyer, but that lawyer is paid for by the IPs, right? So that's not something I pay for. They pay for that. Um, but we do have separate representation. Um, and then the lawyers, they talk about, they figure out so that we're not talking about the sticky stuff, the money and the, like what happens if something, there's a complication. Cause as you and I both know, birth is also, there's inherently some complications that can come along with it. It's a, it's a, again, a very tough thing that women go through and it can come along with other issues. So what happens if I have a complication and I lose my uterus? Like there's something that happens. Yeah. I wouldn't think about that. I have a question about the birth and I also want to jump back to the pregnancy a little bit. When, so I know that again, you've had two kids of your own, you know a lot about birth. How, the birth plan, is that something that you work with with them? So how do I say this? You know, in, in prenatal, we often say, like, we're not attached to how you choose to have your birth. Like, you've had your own. It's a, up to the parent. But here you are, the one going through this. So if they're, if, if they're saying, um, if you're saying, like, oh, I, you know, I've had a couple of births. I am okay not having medication. Or if you want medication, but they're saying, I'd rather you not. Mm-hmm. How does that work out? Do they get to choose the birth plan? So, so that's again, you know, again, it's going to vary. Um, but those are the kind of things that get we talk about. Those are the kind of things we talk about in these first conversations, um, those phone calls, those meetings. Um, those are the things that are in your in your uh, application. Like, like, what is your ideal birth? What were your other births like? Did you do medicated births? How you know? So they have some of that information already. They kind of have a sense of who you are and how you birth your other other pregnancies. Um, but it's still, so, you know, it's still your, it's their baby, but it's your body. Right. right. So, so I could see that being a problem. Like if, yes. uh, if the intended parents, like, I really feel strongly about a physiological birth without, you know, without medication involved, if that's possible. And then the person actually giving birth, be like, I, I need medication. <laughs> like I could see mm-hmm. that being, so that's worked out ahead of time. That's worked out ahead of time. So those are the, like I said, those are the things, those are those big things that come up in these conversations. These are the things that, um, the psychologist would ask, right. When we're all sitting at the table, if, that, if those questions haven't already been asked and answered, they ask those questions and say, okay, so what, what is your vision? I mean, the, again, these, these, um, evals, they take time. Like you're sitting in this room for a while talking about these things. So these are all things that are ferreted out ahead of time. And then as you move through the process, you continue to talk about these things. Um, I, my two boys were born naturally at, you know, didn't use, um, any medical intervention. Um, and I wanted to do that again. And I remember cause my, <laughs> my first IPs, she was a, a medical professional. And I remember we were taught, we, I remember very distinctly talking about this and she called me like, are you crazy? Like, no, we don't, 
I just want you to know, like, we don't expect that from you. Like we, we are, if you need medication or pain relief, like we're all for, and I remember that kept coming up just, in, you know, cause we would meet for dinners and we would get together um, when we could and things like that. And I remember we kind of would joke about it. It's like, you know, you don't, don't do this for us. Like we don't, we don't mind. Like I almost rather you get some pain medication if you need it. And I, you know, it's like, so we kind of would laugh. But I'm well, like, I'm glad, yeah, that. that's important. I would think because you never, cause yeah, it's your body, but their baby. Their baby. Can yep. I shift a little bit? I'm going to just Absolutely. redirect you to something else. I know in prenatal, we often talk about the emotional attachment. Mm-hmm. Um, what, how did you feel about like, what was your emotional attachment carrying this baby because you do get to be the first one to feel the kicks and the movement and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so and I, again this will be different for every person because every person has their own emotions sure talk to me a, bit, a little bit about yeah i guess the emotional trajectory of find once once the process is done like and you're pregnant and you know you're moving forward what was that like for you because i'm guessing there are people that Maybe there were more um, just social acquaintances that didn't know, you know, that you were pregnant for as a carrier. And so then there's mm-hmm. that social conversation of like, oh, your baby. And then, and mm-hmm. then when you have the baby and then they're like, where's the baby? Um, <laughs> so there's yes. that, how did that, I guess those are a lot of questions. So, <laughs> <laughs> so what was the, how did you navigate that aspect as well yeah. as your own yeah. attachment during classes, you know, like if you took prenatal mm-hmm. or just mm-hmm. living mm-hmm. in your body with another person growing. Mm-hmm. So, um, um, one of the requirements to be a carrier is that you've had to have had at least one of your own children. And I think there's, there's many reasons to that. What one is they want to know, like, how do you carry? Do you have complications? You know, what are your labors like? Right. We need the medical information from that. We also want you to have experienced having your own child because carrying your own child and carrying somebody else's feels different. It just does. And part of why that feels different is because you are telling the story. So I will say that telling the story over and over and over and over again just continued to um, validate or bring, bring the truth to the story of this is not my baby. I'm just carrying this person. I'm helping them grow. I'm taking really good care of myself. I'm being healthy. I'm taking care of this child like like it's my own, but it's not. I'm going to give this child away at the end of this pregnancy. And so I think part of telling the grocery store clerk and telling the random person that wants to know, oh, how far along is your baby? What are you having? What are you naming? You know, all the questions people ask. And there are times where you just go along with it. You're like, oh, I'm having a girl. Yeah, we're going to name her Sarah. You, know, you make up a name, right? Um, because you just don't want to get your perfect stranger. You just don't feel like getting into with him. But the grocery store attendant who you see on a regular basis um, and you're they're going to see you without a baby at the end of it all, that's the person that you're like, while you're standing there checking out, you're like, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and tell you. I'm a carrier. I'm caring for somebody else. And then the response you get from people just continues to validate the amazing thing that you're doing. Because what most people do is go, oh my God, I cannot believe you're doing that for somebody. That is so amazing. You're amazing. Oh my God. You know, so that's usually what you get. And then it just continues to make you feel really good about the choice that you've made and that what you're doing is, is for the greater good. And, you know, you're not really giving away a baby. You're creating something for somebody else. And then you're helping create a family. And, that's the thing that hit me the hardest after that first one is mom and dad coming into the room and 
holding her and crying and mom like immediately whipping off her shirt to like keep her, you know, to bring her to her chest. Cause she actually was able to, which is a whole other thing, but she was actually able to produce milk, um, to be able to breastfeed her. So she was able to breastfeed her just moments after she was born. And I mean, it was just, and I'm watching all of this in the room and it's just like, Oh my God, I've just helped create this family. So there was never any, there really was never any feeling of like, Oh, I've lost something and I've had to give something up. And it really just, I never felt that. I mean, the, the I'd say, and I remember the woman who ran the agency kind of counseling me on this because she, that's part of her job is to talk with you periodically and see how you're doing and also prepare you for the afterwards. Cause it can, it's emotional. Postpartum is emotional regardless of what you're, and I was trying to pump and do all those things. But, um, I remember saying, you know, it's going to be hard because you've built this relationship with these people, your IPs, you've built a relationship, you're talking with them on a regular basis. You're sending them, you know, pictures of the sonogram. You're, you're sending them. I, I would call, um, mom, I'd go to my, my prenatal and they'd do the heartbeat. Right. And I'd, I would just call her and we'd let it go to voicemail and she would have the sound of the heartbeat on her voicemail. So there was just these things that you do, like you connect and you see each other. Um, at the time I actually happened to be working in Greensboro one day a week. So on those days I was in town, we would try to meet for dinner or lunch or something. So I was seeing them regularly. So you create this relationship and then, and then they have a newborn and anybody who's had a newborn understands that life is like, it's chaotic and you're trying to survive and you don't even know what day it is half the time. And so you're, you're not necessarily, you're thinking about your carrier and you're hoping she's okay, but you're not reaching out to her necessarily. You know, you're, you're just trying to figure out how to keep this little fragile being alive. And when can I sleep? And Oh God, I have to go back to work in a few weeks. And you know, their whole life is, is changed forever now. And, um, and you're, it's not that you're forgotten. It's just sort of a new chapter. Everybody's moving on now. Um, and so I would say that was the hardest thing was just like, okay, I'm not, I'm not going to have this contact with these people every day. And, and we're all having to move forward and move into our own lives and now kind of, you know, get back into normalcy to some degree. Um, whatever that word means really. But, um, (laughs) and so I remember, you know, and, and the agency, the woman who ran the agency, she called and checked on me. How are you doing? How are things going? Are you, how are you feeling? You know, how's what's, what's happening? You know? Um, and the, the, the psychologist too, there's times where I can, I checked in with her while I was pregnant. And one of the, one of the sessions we had was, okay, so let's plan your postpartum. Like, what is it going to look like for you? Because you're not going to be caring. You're not going to be caring for this infant. You're going to be caring for yourself. You're going to be trying to kind of wrap your head around what's just happened and how to go, how to move forward. And, um, let's plan a trip. Let's plan, like, let's think of something that you can put your energy into for that, for that postpartum period. And we did, my ex-husband and I planned a trip to Costa Rica and that was sort of my like gift to myself for what I had done and use some of the compensation to plan this trip. And, um, so it gave me something to focus on. And that was great advice. That was great counseling on her part was the let's what is your postpartum going to look like? And let's talk about that. That, so that sounds was, so important because it, also in your body's healing. Oh, I know. <laughs> Which I will say, I will say healing postpartum without an infant is so much easier. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually thinking that when you said that, I'm like, cause I, yeah, I was actually thinking that cause you're not doing all the feeds. You're not no. figuring it out, you know, especially nope. as a first time parent where the goal is just to keep the baby alive. alive? <laughs> yeah. Right. Yes. I actually could go back to, you know, when I was ready again, I didn't rush it, but when I was ready, I could go back to 
to working out. But also just think of the I can sleep. focus on my diet. And think I can about do all these things that, you know, a new mom isn't going to be able to do or, you know, a new parent is not going to be able to do. So. Yeah, and the sleep factor. Like, how does our body, we tell our kids that all the time. If you're not feeling well, sleep. Your right. body heals best when it can sleep. And we know new parents, just because they're feeding the baby so much, they, they don't sleep. They so, don't sleep. yeah. But the, yeah. And then what about your milk coming in? So, um, so that's another little side note to this whole process. And a lot of, uh, carriers will pump. So, you know, again, if you've done this before, you know, just how much better it is for your body to, to, to pump or to breastfeed or, you know, to, to help your hormones balance out as, and, and this is not a judge. This is, you know, everybody's situation is different and everybody goes into it and has to make their own choices and never judgment. Everybody, you know, again, everybody's story is different, but if, if you can, if you're able to breastfeed even for six weeks or you know, two months or whatever, it, it you're, you know, it helps your uterus come back into shape. It helps the hormones balance out a little more easily. It, there's a lot of good to breastfeeding postpartum as far as just helping the body. Um, and I, I knew that. And so I knew for me, I wanted to pump and I knew I was, you know, I was like, even if I pump for six weeks, just to help my body again, regulate, um, um, I wanted to do that. And, and sometimes IPs want your milk and sometimes they don't, but I knew that mission hospital our hospital here in their NICU is always looking for, for milk. There's all, um, there's a Facebook page, you know, that's, specifically around breastfeeding. There's always people on there in search of breast milk to supplement. And so I knew I would have no trouble getting rid of it if I wanted to. Um, in all three of these situations, my IPs did want to purchase and they, they purchase it. They pay for it. Cause again, you're, it's your, it's time. your time. Yeah. 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 I mean, I was taking the pump to work with me just like, you know, I was getting up only one time at night, but I was getting up once in the middle of the night to pump so that I could keep my supply up. Um, uh, which is much different than getting up many times to actually feed a human. So, I mean, you know, getting up one, one, just pump a little bit and go back to bed was nothing, but, um, but I knew I wanted to do that. And my IPs all were like, great, we want that. Let's, let's figure out how to do that. And then that's a whole other process, right. Of dry ice and overnighting and mm-hmm. all of these things. Right. So that's a whole process that my, the woman at the agency helped walk me through. Cause then you're like, Oh, well, God, breast milk. Like, what do you, how do you, how do you <laughs> ship breast milk? <laughs> you know? uh, side note to that, which I think is hilarious. I, I was, we were using FedEx and you literally had to pack it up in, in a little cooler thing and dry ice it and overnight it. Cause that you, you know, would freeze it. And I'll never forget. Cause I'm coming in like once a week and one of the guys at the FedEx, uh, he's like, do you mind if I ask you like, what's in this? And I just looked at him and I was like, breast milk. And I thought I was going to shock the shit out of him, but he was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. We have a couple of women that come in here and do that, you know, every couple of weeks or so. And I was like, what, what there's other people, you know, shipping breast milk. Out? You know, like it was, I remember thinking I was going to blow his mind and he actually ended up blowing my mind, but he was like, Oh, breast milk. Well, yeah, we have some other women that do that. I'm like, what? it's just such an amazing step that you took for them. I do have another question and then I'm going to start to pull things back a little bit. So you're, you've had two of your own and then you've had mm-hmm. three more. And I know you said like you really focused on taking care of yourself and mm-hmm. really making mindful choices, but was there a different mindset during your pregnancies and births about, about the experience? So like when it was yours, you, were you like, did you daydream about what this was going to be like when you were, when you had a family and like, how did you, 
How was it different? Because clearly it was like you knew you weren't keeping the babies. Mm -hmm. They were, you know, your carrier. But was there anything different about you? Was it still the same? Like, I'm just going to do the best I can, take care of myself. How, tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. So, um, so I did take prenatal yoga classes during all three of those pregnancies. Um, cause again, we have some really amazing teachers here in Asheville and, um, just loved, loved it. And, and I really obviously very much believe in it. Um, <laughs> and you had that question of, you know, what was it like when the teacher would say, you know, focus on your baby or, or connect with your baby. And it, and it never, it never triggered anything for me. It was never, it was just more like, all right, cause I, I carried all girls. So I have two boys of my own, but all my surrogate babies were girls. And it would just kind of be more of like a, all right, girl, like, how you doing in there? How you feeling? Cause you know, the, kind of- I'm so glad you said that. Cause the more that you're talking about the rigorous steps to go through, the more I realize I don't think that is something we have to reevaluate because it's, you know what you're doing and you've made mm-hmm. this deep decision. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I mean, I would, I would hope it wouldn't be triggering because mm-hmm. that would have been a sign that the therapist would have picked up on ahead of time. Exactly. If so, thank you for clarifying. Cause I've always been uncomfortable with that. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, because if it is triggering, even just that sentence, your baby, then you probably shouldn't be taking this route. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> that's exactly it. And I've, I've literally had people look at me and go, Oh, I could never give up a baby. And I, and I look at them and go, well, then you would not be a carrier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not a good carrier. Like if that's what you immediately think of is like, Oh my God, I could never give up a baby. Well then that's, that's okay. I, I totally get that emotion, but that's, it's, it's so much more layered than that. And that's like I was saying, you know, because there are so many steps involved before you even get to the transfer process, before you even get to that point, before you're transferring an embryo or two embryos, so many steps have come into place. You've talked about everything at, at nauseum. I mean, you've had contracts, you've done mental evaluations. I mean, there's so many things that have happened that, to that point that once you even get to the point where you're transferring an, an embryo into your body, you're like, all right, let's, let's get this show on the road already. Yeah. Let's do this thing, you know? Um, so yeah, it's just a very, it's a, just a very different, um, experience. And it really is kind of like, we're, we're pals. Like we're just, I'm taking care of you. I'm growing you the best at my ability and taking really good care of myself and take care of you and, you know, using my stipend to do things like prenatal yoga and prenatal massages and going to the chiropractor and like, you know, having, it's nice to have those resources to, I mean, I like I always joke with my classes that I took way better care of myself <laughs> when I was pregnant than I do now. You know, I'm, I'm up, up there like, make sure, you know, self-care mamas and take care of yourselves. And then I'm like, uh, and trust me, I'm preaching to the choir over here because <laughs> so much better at doing it when I was pregnant. But, but I also looked at it as a job. Like I really felt like I, this was a job that I was doing for, for my IPs. I had a, I had a responsibility to them and I, you definitely, certainly that, that cultivates too, um, as you're getting to know them and you're going through these processes together and you're going through these steps, there really is this, this responsibility that starts to build and now you suddenly, and that's a, that can be a downside too, right? Cause again, we're going back to sometimes we don't get pregnant on the first try and we had agreed all my, um, IPs and, and we had agreed that we would try it three times. So we would go through the process three times. Um, my first IPs, my first time around, I got pregnant the first time, which was amazing. And it was so nice. We didn't have to go through that process of letdown and disappointment. And then me feeling like, oh my gosh, I, I, I'm, I'm have this responsibility to them to do this for them. And now I'm, I'm, and I'm not fulfilling my, my side of the, um, which it's by a lot, like we, we can only control these things so much. Right. So there's some of that of working through that. But for the second time, 
it took us three, three times to get pregnant. So we had to go three different rounds before I finally got pregnant. And that was hard. Mm -hmm. That was really hard. That was that sense of responsibility. Like I'm failing them. I'm not holding it. And, and you have to catch that and process it. I had, again, had the, the psychologist, same one. I used the same one all three times, which was really great because I've built a really nice relationship with her. Um, but that's a tough, that's tough. Like that, that sense of responsibility to them. Um, but we did, we got pregnant the third time. And then my third, my third time around, um, I was actually caring for the same couple I carried for the first time. So we did the, we called it the sibling project. So we had a, a sibling for them and I got pregnant the first try again on that one. So I feel really lucky that, um, I had that, that experience. Um, but I also appreciate that I had all the experiences because now as a, as an agent and as a, somebody who really wants to help people navigate this process, I've had that experience. I know what it's like to, to, to not succeed those first couple of times and have to go back to the drawing board and try it again and going through all those emotions. And I, I can understand that process more uh, thoroughly now. This so. is amazing. You've really shed some light on this experience. I did not realize the in-depth support that everyone mm-hmm. gets and mm-hmm. all the steps, even be, like you said, it's before you get to transfer, it seems like there's just so much, which is so important to lay the foundation. Yes. This exactly. is so, thank you. Again, mm-hmm. so while this podcast was for our community, it was for me too, because I was just so curious. That's why I love this podcast. All right. Um, one last question, then we're going to take a quick break. But so, so last question before our break. Do you have any, so if someone's listening to this, and maybe they popped, they were scrolling through, they're like, oh, surrogacy, that's interesting. If they saw this um, and they're thinking, oh, Okay, that might be something to consider. Or if it's an intended parent, do you have anything that you think or any resource that they should just start to explore? Um, yeah, so there's lots and lots of there's lots of resources out there, Facebook pages and lots of agencies. Um, I would say especially if this is your first time going through the the process or this is something that's new to you. I would, I would, my advice would be to go through an agency. Um, and you don't necessarily have to go to one of the big, huge ones that charge. I mean, it's crazy. Some of these big agencies out there, which listen, they provide an amazing service and they're, they're a whole, I mean, it's, they've got everybody on staff right there in one organization, but they charge anywhere from 20 to $30,000 just for their agency fee. And that's the other piece of surrogacy that I think a lot of people don't realize until they start to kind of ferret it out, um, is a cost. It's expensive. There's a lot that goes into it. Um, so, but I will say going through an agency that first time, whether you're, go, you're a carrier or an IP, cause there is like you just said, there's so many moving pieces and parts to this, that having somebody to just help you along the way to know the next steps and to help you to find that person in a way that's safe and structured, um, that's protective of, everybody involved is huge. Um, so I would say that, that finding the right, the right agency. And so that's the other thing too, right. Is find the right one. So reach out to several of them, you know, um, look at their profiles, look at their reviews, look at just even their websites, call them up and talk to a representative, um, decide if you want to pay the big price tag and go to a bigger agency, or if you want a smaller, more intimate, um, uh, experience, but 
I would say that that's really important. And a lot of fertility clinics too now that do that do this, that work with carriers and work with surrogacy, have their own department around this. So they do have a, a gestational carrier coordinator. Or they have a whole department. So you could even start there and say, hey, you know, we've tried these different steps and we're not getting pregnant and now we're being told that we really need to start looking at either surrogacy or adoption. Um, can you help us start to understand that process a little bit more? Um, that's helpful. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, and can you, yeah. do you think, um, I can put in the show notes, do you have any that you recommend that I can put in the show notes? Well, I mean, well, one myself. Yes, right? of <laughs> course, of course, which we'll get to. I will definitely have that question of where to find your work. Um, but if someone's not able to work with you, um, yeah, yes, yes. Um, I can throw some of that in there. Well, what I would say too, it's, that's hard because again, every state's a little different and every state has their own, there's a lot of agencies that operate in Texas, that operate in Georgia that, you know, so, um, are you, are you open to international? So there's certain, mm. uh, agencies that work with international, uh, carriers and things like that too. So, um, I'm actually talking to a woman out in Oregon. I'm helping facilitate a, um, a connection with people that live in North Carolina, the couple, the IP li- IPs live here in North Carolina. The carrier lives in Oregon, but they're actually old, like family friends. But learning like the whole Oregon situation and like what's what it's like up there. But she, this is her second time carrying, and she carried for a couple from Australia. Hmm. Oh so, wow! Right, because they because she was through an agency, um, and that agency worked with international. So they didn't uh, meet once a week for lunch. <laughs> No, no, but they did things like Skype calls and FaceTiming. And so that's another, I mean, get another side, I'm kind of getting off, but a side note of like, there's just so many ways now too to stay connected. So I, there's so many carriers. It's like, you know, this, I, these IPs in North Carolina are like, yeah, she's in Oregon, but you know, we trust her. We know her, we feel comfortable with her and we're okay with the FaceTimes and the, you know, calls and the texts and we'll stay connected. So I will say this, this, this world of tech has certainly helped bring people closer together and, and facilitate those things. Um, but like she was saying, they, they Skyped every week and FaceTimed. And so even though that they were living in Australia and she was in Oregon, they still felt connected. Yeah. So really quite amazing. But yeah, I would say, um, do a little bit of your own research. I, I mean, I hate that I, I can't, like, but it's, that's okay. I'll make sure that we at least have your, um, yeah, your, yeah. your agency. All right. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, because you have been pregnant multiple times and a parent to two teenage boys, well, one teenage, mm-hmm. one twenties, if you have one tip or piece of advice you'd like to offer new or expectant parents, we'll be right back. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, we are back. So either from just being a pregnant person multiple times or being a parent or also being a prenatal yoga teacher, mm-hmm. anything that you'd like to offer? Um, gosh, it's so, I mean, there's so many things. One, one I will say, do when you're pregnant, pamper yourself, give yourself a break. It is hard work being pregnant and go to get body work, go to the acupuncturist, go to the chiropractor, go to prenatal yoga, you know, just 
pamper that body, pamper your body, your mind, your emotions, um, and give yourself time. Be okay with slowing things down. I mean, again, preaching to the choir because, you know, we've got things to do and busy lives and, you know, we're not going to let pregnancy slow us down, but it's okay if it does, especially on a day-to-day basis. Mm -hmm. You know, some days you're going to be filled full of energy and like want to get a hundred things done. And and then some days you're not going to want to get off the couch and that's okay too. So trying to use this time, the pregnancy time, especially to really love yourself and give yourself a break and just be okay with slowing things down. Cause once that baby comes into the world, life's going to start moving a lot faster. Um, that's so I mean, true. <laughs> I mean, gosh, you know, it's so funny. I'm, you know, being teaching now prenatal going into four years of teaching this, I'm now seeing moms coming back, right. Their second pregnancies and their third pregnancies. And I'm just like, wait, you, was it, has it been two years since I saw, you know, it's just like amazing how fast time goes by. Um, and then as a new parent, you know, just again, continue that time of being patient, just be patient. And for, for women, like be patient with your body. It's going to, you're, you're not going to walk out of the hospital losing all of the baby weight. Like if this doesn't work that way, we don't go in with pregnant and come out, you know, looking the way we did before we got pregnant. Like, yes, we, you've obviously had a child and you've, you've lost some weight, but it's going to take a little while and to be okay with that, be okay with being patient with that process and try to, I think, and that's one of the things I loved about your training too, Deb, was get away from this. Like I need to get back into my pre-pregnancy genes and I want to be like Angelina Jolie six weeks postpartum and be like walking down the red carpet in this slinky dress. And like, that is not, that is not reality. Mm -mm. (laughs) That's not where most of us live. And to be okay with, seeing this as more of rehabbing, like rehabbing your body, getting it just like you would if you broke a leg or had a serious sports injury, like you would have to give your body time to heal. That's exactly the same way we need to start to approach this postpartum period of, of caring for our body. Um, and support, you know, something that came up in our training too. And it comes up in my classes and just that postpartum support. It's so important. You're going to, and not waiting until you're in it. Like don't right. wait until you're in the postpartum period and then try to gather the troops. Like start thinking about that. Definitely before. Pregnancy. Absolutely. Yes, and we've yes. actually, I'm going to link to some podcasts about that. I'm going to write myself a note. And where can people find your work? Where can people um, so find work, everything about you? Yeah. So I, you know, I live in Asheville. So if you're anywhere near the Asheville area, no. Um, but I have my website, um, my, my health, my health um, coaching and my wellness side, which is really, that's where I, that's my you know, 90% of where my time goes and, and truly my passion and my work on a day-to-day basis. Um, I teach prenatal yoga five days a week. Um, I do lots of workshops, especially around postpartum, but, um, I have a website there, abartlettwellness.com. Um, as far as surrogacy, superior surrogacy consulting, it's kind of a mouthful. Um, uh, com And then that is a great, that's a great website, regardless of where you are. Um, just, I have a lot of inf- like just informative pages on there for IPs, for carriers. If you just want somewhere just to go, you can just start to get like wrap your head around it. Like, um, I have a breakdown of what are some expected costs around, uh, surrogacy for the IPs. Um, some basic questions for a carrier to think about, like, do you really feel like you're the right candidate for this? And here's some things to think about. Um, and that could just be a good jumping off point. And then from there you can start to think, okay, let me, let me go to my fertility clinic. Let me look at what I've got resources in my own state where I live. Um, but that's a great place to start just to get some information. Um, and then my, there's emails and phone numbers and there's all kinds of ways to connect Facebook and, um, through those websites as well. So I'm very, um, very, um, visible and you can, you can find me that way. 
And I will make sure that is all in our show notes. Thank you so much. This was so interesting. I really had no idea about so much of this. Thank you (laughs) so much. And so many people don't. That's the whole point. Like so many people don't, you know, and even those people that are in this, like getting to this point and they're um, trying all these steps and it doesn't work. And then they're told, well, have you considered adoption or surrogacy? And then all of a sudden they're like, what is surrogacy? What does that even look like? Oh my God, somebody else carrying our child. Can we even, you know, there, and then women, there's lots of us out there that like being pregnant and maybe you're done having your own family and, but think about how much fun it would be to be pregnant again and maybe do this for somebody, but eh, I don't really know how to start that process. So, eh, you know, that, there's, there are people like, and I, I, you know, if you want to call me, email me, reach out, I, I don't charge just to talk to you and help you kind of understand some of the first steps and what this even looks like. And, um, cause I, I believe in this, I believe in this, um, service and I, I want to help people understand it. Cause like you just said, there's just so much that there's so much preconceived ideas about yes. it. So yes. I'm so glad we did this. Well, I want to thank you and I hope you have, what are we, are we on Raw Monday? Yes. <laughs> I hope you have. <laughs> It's only the beginning of the week, yikes. I hope you have a great Monday, and I just love talking to you. And I loved working with you in our training, so thank yeah, you for thanks, everything. Yeah, This is great. I really appreciate it. All right. Be well. You Bye. too. Bye. This has been an episode of Yoga Birth Babies, produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. You can catch us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Periscope. I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Thanks for listening. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.